0: If you don't mind just doing a quick intro for for those that may not know who you are and what you do before we jump into the episode.
1: Yeah, sure. My name is Brian Clayton. I'm CEO and co-founder of a company called GreenPal. GreenPal is a mobile app that works like Uber or DoorDash, but for landscaping services, lawn mowing services. So if you're a homeowner and need to get your lawn mowed, get this chore done, rather than calling around on Facebook or Craigslist or Yelp, you just download GreenPal, pop your address in. And you'll get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service in a few minutes. GreenPal is like a ten-year overnight success. My co-founders and I have been at this thing for a decade, and uh, little by little, slowly but surely, we've built out a nationwide network uh, with around 300,000 people using the app to get their lawn mowing done, and 32,000 small business owners, uh, landscape contractors that use the app to run their business. So. Uh, We've uh, built the the nation's largest uh, network of landscape providers and still growing, trying to get to a million users.
0: Beautiful. And you you mentioned 10 years overnight success. Um, Is this your first entrepreneurial venture or did you have ventures before this?
1: So uh, it's my second. My first business was actually a lawn mowing business. I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. Uh, Quickly got bit by the entrepreneurial bug uh, and never looked back. I've never had a job. I just stuck with that lawn mowing business all through high school, all through college. When I graduated college, I made a little business plan and and decided to grow it into a large-scale company and ended up building one of the larger landscaping companies in the southeastern United States. Uh, Got that business over 150 employees, eventually getting it over $10 million a year in sales, and then it was acquired by a national company in 2013. So after that, I took some time off and quite frankly, got bored. And I thought, well, something's missing. Uh, what my, what am I going to do with my life now? And I uh, had the idea for GreenPal. I knew somebody was going to build an app to make ordering lawn mowing services as easy as pushing a button on your phone. And I thought, well, why not me? Why can't I I do this? And it was kind of naivete as an asset. I didn't really understand how challenging it was going to be. If I'd known how hard it was going to be to build this company, I never would have done it. But got two co-founders and uh, we got in the trenches and started working on it.
0: So what would you attribute to your source of drive early on when you first got bit by the bug and you realized, you know what? I don't want to go the traditional route. I want to build something of my own. What would you say contributed to that?
1: Yeah, early on, way back 22, 23 years ago when I was mowing grass, the thing that made sense to me was uh it was very monetary driven it was like wow i can i could work an hour and make 25 dollars whereas you know back then you know jobs paid six bucks an hour and so i thought this is this is a no-brainer i don't understand why more people don't do this and so i i i never never even considered doing anything but owning my own business after about six months of of running my little lawn mowing company and then as time grew uh time went on you know I began to see other aspects of business ownership. One was the personal development side of it. You know, if you're running a business well, you should grow into a whole new person every two or three years because the business is requiring you to level up. It's requiring you to learn new skills and take on new challenges. And I guess I was probably in my early 20s when I learned that. And I thought, well, this is really cool. You know, this business is going to take me places in life that that I otherwise may never, never go. You know, I don't know that anybody would ever hire me to to run a 150 person operation, but I, I grew a business to where I, I had to learn how to do that. And so I learned really early on that the business was kind of my vehicle to take me places in life that, that otherwise I may never get to. And when I sold it, that was missing. And that's what prompted me to start the second company. The only thing was, is that I, I thought, you know, well, I don't want to build a, a difficult to run company. Like what I just had, I want to do something simple. I want to do something easy. I want to start a software business because that'll be so much easier. Little that little that I know uh, running in a software company and inventing a tech product is about 10 times harder than running a traditional business. I didn't understand that, but you know, yeah. we got to where we are just by not giving up.
0: Yeah. Could you speak to that a little bit more in terms of what the contrast is there? Like, how is it more difficult? Cause your, the perception that you had i'm 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 sure a lot of people still have that if i just start uh you know a software based company i can kind of it'll earn while i sleep and i don't really have to monitor it 100% of the time and stuff like that like what's the i guess misconception
1: yeah it's a, it's a really good question it's easy to get kind of lured and seduced into the idea of a software company running itself and and you don't have all of the challenges uh and and headaches and frustrations that most business owners face the reality is a couple things. Um, if you're starting a traditional business, opening a restaurant, or running a construction company, lawn care business like what I had, dry cleaning service, you name it, doesn't matter what it is, um, that's really really hard. You know, you've got to be you got to be really good at about 20 different things. A lot of times you're managing direct labor and employees and, and ridiculous customers and and figuring out how to juggle all these balls and spinning plates at once, and it's really hard. Um, And the reality is you're going to like pour your soul into that small business in order to get it going and get it running well. Um, And then, and then, and then, and then, then, so you think that's, that's like the mountaintop, you know, when you build a $10 million business doing that and you sell it, you're like, well, it can't get any harder than that. (laughs) Well, well it does. Because if you are, let's say you, you, you transition to a tech entrepreneur, like what I, what I had to do, um you know, you, you think what the challenges are going to be, well, I got to learn how to build software. I got to learn how to design software. I got to learn how to like write code and all these things. And yeah, that stuff's really hard, but that's the easy part. The real challenging aspect of it is you're inventing a brand new product from scratch that does not exist in the world. Nobody's ever heard of it. Nobody knows to use it. Nobody knows that they want to use it. And so it's a lot harder to invent something brand new from scratch, a new experience, a new way of doing things, a quicker, easier, cheaper way of doing things. Um, It's it's a lot more challenging to invent that and make the roadmap up as you go just through trial and error. And then figuring out how to get people to use that product is is really, really, really hard. And so uh, these are all things I didn't know. I thought, well, we'll just pay a product company or a dev shop to build it and we'll just market it and be off and going. We'll all get rich. And, And, uh, you know, here's the reality is is if you build it, they will not come. You have to really be good at distribution and marketing, rolling up your sleeves in the early days with hand-to-hand combat style tactics, just to figure out, you know, if you're, if you're building something that people want to use, it's much, 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 much more challenging. And, uh, and it's going to be a seven day a week thing for five to 10 years to get something going.
0: Absolutely. That's one of the biggest misconceptions, at least from my experience so far in life that a lot of people have regarding entrepreneurship that it's it allows you to have more freedom I think I hear that often and initially that's what made me gravitate towards wanting to do my own thing was the idea of not being told what to do um but that's certainly a misconception I think that's a luxury that you earn you know later on in life um but speaking of challenges what are what are some um I don't want to use the word memorable, but I'll use it for lack of a better word at this moment. What are some memorable challenges that you think shaped your ability to, you know, navigate through the uncertain, uncertain roadmaps that you, that you explained? What were some of the challenges that kind of allowed you to understand that this is the reality of my business and this is the reality of most businesses and I'll be, you know, better prepared if I encounter it again in the future?
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the second business, when I had to, when I built Green GreenPal with two co-founders, you know, we were inventing a mobile app where you could push a button, summon a grass cutting service, and they come and do a great job for you at a great price. We had to, like, as simple as that is, we had to build out all of the things be- behind the scenes to make that happen. And to do that, you kind of have to go from one failure to the next without a loss of enthusiasm. You just have to really figure out through trial and error how to get there. And, and, and the way you kind of fit kind of forge your way through this unknown, through this darkness, so to speak, is to talk to customers, talk to users. So in the early days, you know, I, I personally onboarded the first 500 service providers. They all had my cell phone number and I, and I have seen, you know, the inside of every Starbucks uh, in, in Nashville, Tennessee and, and Tampa, Florida, those were our first two, two markets. You know, I have met with every single, user of our product that would that would meet with me to kind of gauge and understand where we building something that people wanted what problems were we solving where were we coming up short and using it to guide kind of what you know how we were placing our bets because because building a startup is 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 not like chess it's more like poker um you know you don't really see all of the inputs you don't you don't really understand everything that's going on on the game and you're kind of really just making smart bets and the way you kind of tilt the odds in your favors in terms of how you make your bets with what little resources you have is by talking to users. And so in the early days, you know, that's, that's how we did it. And the way I managed my own personal psychology was to make a decision, a personal kind of like choice or mantra, if you will, that I was always going to be working on my best idea, no matter what, no matter how shitty it was going, no matter how things weren't working, you know, if it was my best idea, I was just going to get up at you know seven a m and and work till seven p m every day on that idea until I figured out how to get it to work. Luckily, I'm not terribly creative; I've had one good idea in ten years. it's this product, this platform and and uh so the for the first five maybe maybe even six years, it was very much that it was just day in day out grinding out the stuff, working on two or three of the most important things that we had to work on and and little by little those things began to compound and, and, and add up. Um, The favorite book of mine, Atomic Habits, the author talks about these types of things. And he talks about um, if if you try to melt an ice cube, uh, you know, and you take it from like 20 degrees to, to 30 degrees, you can raise it one degree, uh, you know, at a time and no, no, no perceptible like change occurs. And then, and then like, degree 31, 32, 33, 34, then it starts to melt a little bit, 35, 36, it's almost gone. And so everybody sees the change from like 35 degrees and on, and they don't see or even care about what happened before that. And that's what like starting a company is a lot like, it's like you are working your butt off on these things. And like, there's like very little perceivable change. And then once you've laid that foundation, laid that groundwork, then things start to take off. That's really how it unfolded for us. The first five years were really, really hard.
0: And what kept you going through those times and through those first five years? Like what was in your head, the sort of end goal or objective that you were, you know, that was bigger than, I guess, feeling comfortable and giving up on that dream?
1: Yeah. The first thing was the 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 decision I made to myself that no matter what, you know, I had already kind of semi quasi tried to retire and, I, you know, I learned that I couldn't, didn't want to do that again. So no matter what I was working on my best idea then that was the default, like the, that was the default thing every day. So it didn't matter. Like, so quitting wasn't an option as far as that was concerned, but, but that's not enough. Um, You know, the other thing that we, we did, it was that we celebrated really small wins, but so long as they were growing. So, so our first goal was to have 100 transactions in a week. And, and uh, you know, I had just come off selling a company that was doing thousands and thousands of transactions a day and now I was just trying to do trying to build a system that would do 100 transactions a week cuz I knew if we could get to 100 that uh, that we could get to to 1000. I knew if we could get to 1000 we get to 10 and so on. And so it took us 2 years, 2 years to get 100 customers to use our crappy app uh, on a weekly basis. And but when we when we got that milestone uh, knocked down, we really celebrated like it was a million um, and then we set a goal after that for 500 and that took another two years. And then we set a goal for a thousand and it looked, it felt like we never would get there, but slowly we were growing and now we do several thousand a day. Um, and so, and so just slowly like holding ourselves accountable to move that, that number, no matter how like comically small it was in the early days to begin like compound it. Um, and then celebrating those milestones is what kind of managed our personal psychology and made it in a way sometimes fun.
0: Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of the um, compounding philosophy in life of whether it's your habits or progress or effort or even financial. Um, I think there's a lot of value in identifying um, how important small wins are and small moves are. Um, However, you still have to be, you know, calculated and strategic in, in a lot of them and that's the whole trial and error process to d- determine um, how to get there, how to make better quality decisions uh, on a personal note, what are some values and philosophies or learnings or lessons that you hold dear to your heart and use to determine the quality of decisions that you make?
1: yeah um i'm a I'm a big believer in in something that that I heard somewhere called Big Mo, and Big Mo is uh, momentum. And, and Big Mo can, can work in both directions. It can work in, in, in a, in an upward trajectory and a downward. And this relates to everything from diet exercise to, to managing your team, to holding you guys yourself accountable to, to do the things you got to do every day. And if you lose that, let's say you, you don't like in the early days, you don't go in on a Saturday and put in five good hours. Um, it's not like the five hours that you just didn't get to work. It's like the, it's, it's, it's everything that happens after that. It's, 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 that's really what you lose. You lose out on the momentum. And, uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, when you're trying to get something going from scratch, momentum is all you've got. So you start to, to, to just really focus on those small wins over and over again and keeping them like strung together. And that momentum is what, is what drives you into the next level of the game. And so for me, like, I guess my superpower that would be that consistency, that discipline to, to, to put in the work day in, day out and, and, and not lose the momentum. Cause every time I've lost the momentum, whether it be in business or fitness or, or staying in shape, it's, you know, it's not like skipping the workout. It's like, now you've, you've, you've not, you haven't worked out the, you know, the whole next week. That's what Mm -hmm. you lost out on. And uh, I read somewhere that, that like this, this guy studied peak, uh, Olympic athletes. And, uh, he, what he really began to understand what separated the like top 1% of, of, of Olympic athletes from the rest was their ability to endure boredom. And what he meant by that was like the ability to, to deal with the boredom of the, 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 the boring training day in day out. And just to to compartmentalize that in your brain, and and to to not not lose like focus, that that that's really how you develop the edge. And uh, he studied, uh, he like he asked like Kobe Bryant if he could watch him practice. And so he he you know he he gets up at five a.m. and watches Kobe practice for 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 an hour. And like he's expecting like slam dunks and three sixty dunks and stuff like that. And like for like an hour, Kobe is like practicing like basic free throws bounce passes like the basic stuff like an hour and that's what he began to realize is like it's like the ability to 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 endure that boredom of of putting in the reps day in day out for a long period of time i think is what is what spells the difference in in really any endeavor sports business or otherwise
0: so with that also comes the ability to not want to do other things right like um i feel like we've so many options on w- way more options than ever before. And too many things that can kind of pull us in different directions. And I think that's the, the essence of what you're saying is like single-minded focus on the category of thing that you want to essentially gain mastery. in. How so in your personal experience, how did you not get sort of straight away by distractions or give in to certain things, even if you were counting your wins, because I, I feel like with wins comes the most amount of vulnerability that's when you can justify doing stuff that's, you know, necessarily not aligned with your next goal or even the end of your current goal. So how did you stay on track and not kind of give in to these things?
1: Yeah, I think, I think entrepreneurship's not for everybody. Like
0: being an Olympic
1: athlete is not for everybody. I would never want to like make the sacrifices that an Olympic athlete makes for that, for that moment of glory. You know, like that's just not me. Um, and, but, but I do love being an entrepreneur. I've been one for, for 22 years. And so, so I think it's like, you have to understand is, is, is that really what you're well suited to do? And, and, and then the sacrifices don't feel so much, um, as, as they would for, for somebody who, who, you know, I get people that come to me and and they're like, you know, like I'm working 60 hours a week at my job and I don't, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm valued there and I just really don't want to work that hard anymore. So I really want to start a business and I'm like. 60 hours is a vacation when, when you're first starting a business from scratch. So, so I think like, you know, if you have to ask yourself those questions, maybe, maybe owning a business is not for you because for me, you know, having to go from scratch to, to, to building something that's working two times, you know, it was a seven day a week thing for a very long time. And, and to like the crux of your question, other things did sacrifice, did suffer, you know, personal relationships at times, personal health, which is not good uh family time all these things did did suffer as I was g- getting that business going and I think that's just part of it for me you know like the 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 idea of work life balance when you're first starting a company I think I think really like the gdp of whatever you are is like 110% of that's going to be in the business and nothing else and then as time goes on you can kind of pull off the gas a little bit and and maybe develop some some more free time but man when you're first starting from scratch uh, it's, it's, it's everything you can do to get it going. And, uh, one thing that I would do in the early days, uh, particularly around, um, uh, trying to learn new skills, because, you know, like, like if you're starting a new business, you're going to have to level up. You're going to have to invest in yourself and learn certain things. I would try to create a ratio of, uh, what I, I heard, uh, called the E to E ratio, the, the entertainment to education ratio. And so for every hour, of like TV or music that I would, I would listen to or watch. I would, I would try to do at least two hours of audio books, podcasts, YouTube university, things like that. And so that for me, that was a little kind of heuristic that I, that I did developed in the early days to hold myself accountable to, to invest in myself and not do some of the stuff that, that most normal people do like, like binge watching Netflix and stuff like that. So I think if you really want to get something going from scratch, there's going to be a chip on your shoulder, to where these things really don't feel like as much of a sacrifice as, as they do for everybody else. Cause you really want to see this thing exist for whatever reason. And, and, and you're willing to do whatever it takes to, to make that happen.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, And I can relate to the, the E and E parallel that you just alluded to Um, on a personal level. I, I think I spent like a couple of years only listening to audible when I was in the yeah. car and kind of, you know c- uh, curating my life to where i was only taking in information that was quote unquote beneficial yep. but i also realized with that you can paralyze yourself in 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 a in i guess a too much information too many things coming your way that's true um and you you forget how to act you forget the almost naive but bold way to just jump into things and learn as you go that's um, so true. Yeah, because the more you consume, the more you feel like you can almost think yourself out of any potential situation, and yeah, and you can just over rationalize why this isn't going to work. And uh, I kind of want to hear your perspective on that. You know, how do you how do you juggle that and balance that?
1: Yeah, you get that. You definitely can develop that analysis paralysis uh, uh, mindset if you take taking on too much stuff. It's like, well, the books say I shouldn't do the X, Y, and Z, so. I'm just not going to, to put together that MVP to, to test that idea. And uh, yeah, nothing, nothing beats uh, experiential wisdom, just getting in there and trying something and seeing if it works or not. You know, back in the day when I was first building green pal, I don't know if this is still true anymore, but they used to have like these hackathons where you would get like a nerdy coder guy and like a business guy together. And they would just go into like a, cafeteria for like three days and um and just sit there and like hack together a product and try to get five customers for it um by by the third day and i did did one of those one time and i learned more about developing a product and coming up with a strategy and coming up with a go-to-market strategy and like like trying to sell a product more than three days than i did in like four years of business school and so so nothing beats Actually getting in there and getting your teeth kicked in and 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 uh and 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 failing and then learning from what what doesn't work that aside um what what has worked for me like I think a lot of times consuming uh content learning is like block and tackling for whatever stage of the game that you're in so for what I have always done is is i have I have grouped these things together and, and then, and then gone way over the top with trying to like learn one thing. So I'll give you an example. Like, like uh, in year two, I, I stumbled upon the, the, the learning that if, if, if we were going to like become successful, I was going to have to become a good copywriter. And because I was writing these emails that transactional emails from the system or, or solicitation emails for people to use our product or, copy on the screens on like on the mobile app and on the website landing pages turns out copywriting is like words on a screen are really important like one little word change could be the difference between 30 percent sales it's crazy so I, I took like like a year and i i read every book that i could read on copywriting some books that were over a hundred years old uh that that uh that, that are still true to this day like principles of good copywriting and and so for so for like a year, it was it was audio books, podcasts, um, uh, YouTube stuff uh, and, and regular old books, learning about copywriting. And so I, and so I became a half assed copywriter in eight months. And it really helped with with what we were trying to do at that stage of the game. So, so I think if you can compartmentalize these things and say, look, I've got this new I've got whatever it is. I just ordered a new, uh, I just, I'm, I'm starting a new, uh, mobile app for, uh, for, uh, you know, TikTokers to use to manage their, uh, manage their CRM for, for advertisers or whatever. And you just take a year and, and learn nothing but, uh, content marketing for how to reach these people. And like, you don't listen to anything else, but that, then I think you can become an expert in, in content marketing for, for influencers, but if you're listening to like a dozen different topics and a dozen different things, then I think it can be too much and you don't take any action. So I think if you can use it as block and tackling for, for whatever, whatever stage of the game you're in, what skills you got to learn, I think it can be helpful. Uh, and, and I believe that like your car should run on two things uh, gasoline and, and educational material. Like if you're, if you're behind the windshield, if you're going on a walk, if you're on the treadmill, if you're on the elliptical machine, like for me, that is that is some great time to try to like pour knowledge in my brain that I can use to build my
0: business. I think that's extremely valuable. Um, to only focus on consuming information regarding the problems that you want to solve or skills that that you want to build in the immediate sense that'll allow you to get closer to your goals. And yeah, I think the it's younger critical. you are, the more susceptible you are to being paralyzed by. The onslaught of information and, yep. and career choices and, um, everything that you can get caught up in and, you know, what you see on social media and stuff like that. I think it's really having that clear idea of what you actually want to do that then allows you to reverse engineer and work your way towards it. Um, have you, in your experience felt like you wanted to maybe step out of this category of being in the lawn mowing service industry, for example, did you ever feel like? And I know your current vi- business venture falls in the tech category, but have you ever felt like, um, or do you currently venture out and also have your hands in other things in other categories?
1: I think, um, I think authenticity can be a competitive advantage for whatever you're doing. So I get, I, I, I mentor other founders as a hobby, and and a lot of times they'll come to me with uh with ideas and like they haven't like worked a day in that space they have no clue about how that how that industry works from the inside out like they have no no perspective no context yet they want to build an app that that makes it easy for uh i don't know i had one i had one guy try to uh who was pitching me on an idea and it's a quick story uh he was pitching me on an idea it was a pretty good idea he had just built a house and and what he discovered was was that he could uh, he could go to these industrial supply houses and ask to like rummage through the back and see if any of this like secondhand stuff would work for the house. And he got some cabinets for real cheap, and he got, got a window for like like a fraction of the cost. And his idea was, well, there should be a marketplace where you should be able to buy this this stuff uh, right off the shelf. And like, there's all this wasted money sitting there in the back of these these uh, warehouses, and people need it, so a marketplace should connect these things. I said, man, that's, that's great. But like, have you ever worked in one of these supply houses? No. And like how many houses have you ever built? Well, just this one. Okay. How about this? Like, and he had, he had like wire screen, wire frames for this whole marketplace. He was getting ready to build and like he had a developer. He was getting ready to build on the marketplace. And he was like asking me questions around how do I scale a user acquisition strategy? You know? And I'm like, hold on just a second, please just, I know this sounds crazy, but like that supply house uh, go there and, and offer to sit behind the uh, in the back office and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to sell all of this stuff you got back here. And, uh, and I only want 10% commission, but I'm going to sell it all and offer to do that and sell it on offer up Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, uh, eBay, uh, you name it. Just, just move that garbage and and see what happens he's like okay yeah i'll do that calls me two days later because there's no business here (laughs) i'm like (laughs) like well it's a good thing that you went back there and did that instead of building taking instead of taking a year and like 300 grand Mm -hmm. to build out this marketplace when there was no business and so and so like the point is 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 uh for me, I, I know this industry well. I know the insides and outs. I spent 15 years in it, so then I was kind of well suited to develop a platform around it. And you can sit here and like get this flashy object, uh, bright shiny object syndrome, where it's like, "Oh man, look, those guys built this thing in like three years." And it's like, did you have that idea at that time with that context and that industry knowledge? No. Like, it was that's, uh, that's, these are internal conversations, and so, and so I think like a lot of times, just know your lane. Know the industry that you know well, and just go all in on that one thing for a decade is is how I've gotten to where I am.
0: Awesome, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, real quick, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you, your social media app, anything else, please.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're in the United States, uh, don't waste time mowing your own yard. Just download GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store. And anybody who wants to hit me up, Instagram is the best place to find me, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there.